Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Strickland Podcast Network's Mail.Bag. I'm Jeremy Cohen, uh, at The Coincidence, and we've got a very special episode today. It is a crossover Mail.Bag episode. Uh, First and foremost, because uh, he was kind enough to show me around his hometown, well, now his hometown, Uh, I'm going to bring in Presidente. Pres, how are we? I'm good. Happy to finally make the big time and join Mail.Bag. It's a big day. Uh, yeah, so we could just move on without probably introducing the third person, actually. Um, yeah, okay, fine. I guess I'll, I'll do it. Uh, it is uh, Schwinn. Schwinny Poo. Schwinn, how are you? I'm great. Uh, I won't take offense to um, being viewed as a second-class citizen here on my own pod, but yeah. I'd actually, I kind of wish you would, is the thing. Yeah, you know, I, I am. See, like I want you to be to feel offended. By I yeah, that's because because you're racist, right? Yes. yes. Well, of course. Yep. Did you think it was going to be something else? No. 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 Okay. And cool. and Prez is, Prez is light skin, so he's in on it too. That's yes. I'm of the Fat Joe Jennifer Lopez variety of Puerto Ricans, <laughs> which is uh, still a lot of, still a lot of gray area in there in, in terms of what I can do and what I can say. So I'll leave that to your imagination, <laughs> listeners. Flying <laughs> is not a problem. Let's just put it that way. Nope. <laughs> when I grow my hair out, I look like a conquistador. <laughs> well, great. We've, we've got a. a great start. It is. It always is. Um, <laughs> so we've got some fantastic questions here uh, that I'm actually going to read for the first time that are presented in front of me. So they, they actually might be terrible. They're probably good. Um, probably great. Before we get started, I would like to announce the Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's many tiers. The six dollar tier. That gets you access to this podcast every Friday that I do with Prez, Pod Strickland. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord where we talk about the Knicks all the time, 24-7. Uh, there's live game chats. It's a fun time. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best Knicks writers in the business. You also will get access to my solo podcast, Trick and Roll, uh, where I yell about the Knicks quite a bit, uh, even more if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of further things, like merchandise discounts, live watch parties, listening in on podcast recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast yourself alongside us one day. But whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Your support is appreciated. And without further ado, let's talk about the New York Knickerbockers. So we've got some fantastic questions here uh, that I'm actually going to read for the first time that are presented in front of me. So they they actually might be terrible. They're probably good. Um, Probably great. But... um, do you guys want to say anything before we get started on the questions? You know, I mean, the, the season just ended. Um, it's a nice win against the Raptors after the Knicks beat the Wizards. And earlier before that, blew what should have been a win against the Nets. Um, but I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts you wanted to articulate that you maybe hadn't talked about in any other podcast. I'm not sure. I feel like I've said so many things that uh, <laughs> that I, I it would be hard for me to believe there's things I haven't said um, about this that, that I have not said about this team that I think about. Um, it's 
who knows? I'm just ha- I'm very happy the season's over. Uh, I am excited for whenever like the first kind of big uh, the domino. Yeah, the big expo. Not even the fuck the fuck the dominoes. I'm waiting for the drama because you know that there's like <laughs> somebody's gonna drop the first like expose on what we're on this season. But I think it's funny because um, like Nick's like this version of Nick's drama is still so much less dramatic than what we've become accustomed to, and I think it's interesting to think about like what we bitch about now versus what our problems were. Fuck for the most of the last twenty years, um, and. Yeah, I mean, I still think it's interesting. I mean, I still feel pretty good about this team. I mean, I still feel very good about this team, and I still think that they're in a better position than they have been in the last 20 years. I I still believe that. Um, I know, like, the Carmelo team and stuff. Having Carmelo, who was, what, top five, top ten player, however you want to parse it, um, MVP candidate player anyway, um, that's obviously, like, better than anything we have right now. But... I just really never thought that team had a serious chance at contending. Like, I mean, at the time, I definitely deluded myself into it. Um, but realistically, not so much. Um, this team obviously is very, very far away from contending, but like being able to be good for a long time is definitely on the table. Whereas with those teams, it always felt like we traded for, we signed Amari, we traded for Carmelo, and it was like we got you know, two, three years to try and put something together. And obviously we never did that because there was just like not a very good path to doing so. Um, whereas with this team, you know, we're don't have that elite talent yet. Um, but I think the, the path to being good for a sustained period of time is there. Um, so it's interesting, interesting to, to, to think about that. Um, also I'm, so sick of Patrick Beverly. I just want to say that. Um, I I don't care. I like this entire thing with him yesterday is fucking ridiculous. Um, and that's not to like shit on Wolf, Wolves fans should be happy. I'm happy they're happy. I'm happy they're celebrating. Good for them. But Patrick Beverly is such a fucking dork and I despise him and I wish him no success ever. And I hope that he gets embarrassed uh, in round one. Schwinn is going to just be the Alonzo morning meme when he has to deal with like John Morant's superior basketball based corniness winning out over Pat Beverly's losing corniness. Yeah. It's just, I can't deal with it, man. Like how did he, how he managed to turn this? Like, I don't even know what he scored last night or anything. Like, and I know you can contribute to winning without scoring and all this shit, but like somehow that game turned into like, Ant is going off Beasley was hitting all these clutch threes. You had fucking Nas Reed doing shit. Like, somehow, all of that got ignored so that Reggie Miller could just, like, praise Patrick Beverly constantly, and it somehow just turned into this entire thing about, like, Patrick Beverly being the most unheralded, underrated, undervalued human being, player, personality of all time. And I hated that. That was, like, that should have been, like, a pretty awesome team win. It should have been celebrated for that. It just, it turned into, like, some other thing, and I did enjoy the TNT thing after. Um, I, I thought it was funny. Like it's it's it is funny to make fun of like what happened, but I also think it's fine that Wolves fans are enjoying the shit out of it, and that the team enjoyed the shit out of it. Just not Patrick Beverly, because fuck him. That's fair. I would agree with that. Um, all right. Well, now that we got that out of the way, let's go to our first question. So um, this is from at Hammer and Ho. My question is what you guys think are some player comps for Obi, both realistically and his ceiling. Um, Prez, I'm going to start with you again because of the racism, but also because you have been following Obi with the draft and now we're two seasons in and um, Schwinn and I are both, Schwinn probably more than me as a draft person, but we kind of both admit like, scrapshoot, we don't know shit. We don't try it. Um, So why don't you begin with that, and then we can transition to one. Sure, like, so Obi comps? Obi comps. Uh, I mean, 45% from three Obi of the last month? Uh, that's a different player, or the last 15 games. Um, no, jokes aside, I mean, everybody always said John Collins, and there's definitely some truth to that, but Obi passes a lot better than John Collins ever does. And John Collins was better 
at a younger age than Obi is right now. But something like, I don't know, John Collins with passing and without being a annoying asshat would be my <laughs> would be my my comp. What do y'all think? Um I think I think if he got more minutes he'd be way better than John Collins. Um because personally I think John Collins is like very much a product of playing with Trey. Mm-hmm. Um he's fine. He's not a bad player. That's not to say he's a bad player. Um, you know, he can shoot the ball pretty well for a stretch four and all this kind of stuff, but like, he doesn't really impact the game on his own. Whereas with Obi, you've already seen, like he changes the dynamic of how we play. So I I don't know. Like, I I think like Diao is maybe like Diao with hops is the comparison I go to a lot because I just think like, that's the type of player he is but it's not a great like stylistic comp because Diao was defined was, by being not athletic <laughs> well not just that but Diao also like played a lot more inside than Obi does mm-hmm. um we've seen more of that from Obi like obviously as the season's gone on the one I've always gone back to and I know this is like very odd because he's very much not the defensive savant that um that that this player was uh but like Sean Marion uh, offensively anyway, that's the player he reminds me of a shit ton. And, you know, defensively, obviously not in the same caliber. So I, I don't know, something like that. Like one of these guys that's more of a tweener. I actually um, like that a lot on offense. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just like very excited about him. I think he's like a very, I mean, he's a very exciting player, easy player to root for. But, um, you know, realistically, what's he going to be? I, I don't, it's it's so hard to say because the sample on him is so small. Realistic, like, you know, we just haven't seen enough of him through two years, which, you know, uh, thank you, Tom Thibodeau. Um, but, like, I, I, it's really hard to know what a realistic comparison is for him because he's such a, like, the circumstances of him as a player have been so weird, right? Like, he got drafted at 20, he was basically 23 his rookie year, 24 now. Um, like, he's a late bloomer. He hasn't played much. And then this year he took a leap, but he still didn't play much. And then when we finally got to see him, like he was actually playing very much to his per 36 per hundred possession, like all the rate stats that people were like, well, well, let's see what he would do in more minutes. Like he did it. So I have no clue. It's very weird. Um, His rate stat production. I mean, I've posted it. If you compare it just offensively, just offensively, because obviously he's not the same defensive player, but offensively, if you compare it to Scotty Barnes, like it's, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't look bad. Um, it looks pretty fucking good. He's really, really efficient. And, um, you know, I don't know what to make of all that, but realistically, I think he's like a very, he's a solid starting player. Um, you know, he has flaws obviously, but I think he's a solid starter for sure at the very least. And then again, for ceiling, I don't know, like some kind of offensive version of Sean Marion with nowhere near the defensive impact. Not to say he's a terrible defender, but I think he's more of just like a a good team defender type of dude without somebody, rather than somebody who's going to like anchor your defense and make major impact. So for what it's worth, at least on the, speaking of the numbers, I was curious. I looked at cleaning the glass just now and Obi's season defending uh, or like his opponent's shooting accuracy he's in the 86th percentile in effective field goal percentage whereas john collins's best season was coincidentally this year and it was the 78th percentile uh the fact that obi's so good around the rim as well as i understand the rebounding aspect of it but it's all the more frustrating that he wasn't deployed more with randall because like the whole thing was, oh, who's going to collect the rim? You know, who's going to protect the rim? And Obi could easily have done it. I guess you could argue with the rebounding factor, but like, it's still a mismatch worth doing. And when you bring in Alec Burks when all your centers are gone, like they did in the Timberwolves game, then that's kind of a problem. But yeah, I mean, in terms of comps, like, sure, I think both of those work. But I also feel like he's more athletic than John Collins. Like the, the fact that he's always cutting or at least breaking out. I know Collins is good in transition, but, and maybe it's just because I've seen more of OB than I have of John Collins by being a Knicks fan, but something about it, he just feels like a more creative offensive player that kind of makes more out of nothing 
than Collins does. He's a really good improviser. He doesn't but, just fit in. Like, he does fit in. It's weird because that's, like, probably the best thing about him compared to Randall. But, like, he fits in in a way that impacts how the team plays. I don't ever sense that with John Collins. Like, he helps the team by just being able to shoot the ball at the four, like, which is valuable for sure. But he's not really impacting the style of play of the team, right? He, he's not... He's an elite play finisher. Who, Obi or, or Collins? Collins. Yeah. I mean, Obi will be, but Collins right now. Yeah, yeah I think I think there's definitely more, more there with Obi offensively for sure than just being like a guy who finishes what's created for him. My hot take yesterday during this is the last thing I'll say. My hot take yesterday during uh, confusing my podcast during Pod Strickland was I think there's more Obi face up one on one real Hooper scoring in the tank than people realize, and I suspect we'll see some of it next season. I hope so. Yeah, be fantastic. Next question is from Stacy Patton. Given the Knicks' crowded rotation, does it make sense for the Knicks to take a draft and stash guy like Jang or Jovic? Is it worth trading back if they are at 12? Um, so in terms of Jovic, I thought he was a draft and stash guy, but Prez, you're telling me that he's probably not, right? Yeah, and one one thing I wondered about that is like how much of that is like the guy's decision versus the team's decision or... I imagine you want to know if they have strong opinions before you draft them, which is why you have like interviews and all that stuff. But like, I, I never heard of him talked about as a draft and stash until very recently. Cause he's a highly regarded international player who like in the under 19 competitions was right there as like the first team all tournament, along with Chet Holmgren, Jaden Ivey, Victor Wembanyama and Zach Eady. So like, Aside from Edie, those guys are all going to be getting minutes in the NBA next year. So, not that he's as good as them, but you know, he's that's his reputation anyway. I mean, they could, you could, you could do it. And do you think it's worth draft uh, trading back if it's the twelfth pick? I'm not a huge fan of trade backs, but I'll let y'all hand answer the trade backs question because I feel like that's more of a less of a player evaluation. And more of a real like front office strategy. Well, where do, where does the draft drop off to you? Um, depending on how it shakes out, probably right around there. It could be a little before, it could be a little after. Wow, thanks, Prez. A lot of fucking help here, bro. <laughs> I am a draft guru, but I'm also a lawyer, so there you go. Uh I would love if the Knicks traded this pick unless they get somebody unless somebody is there at that spot that they just absolutely love. Yeah, um I I, I think that. this is a this is a pick you should be very okay. And obviously if you move up then it changes every equation. Um but like if the pick just stays around 12 or where it's supposed to be it can only stay at 12 or move down, right? So if it if it stays at 12 or moves down, um this is a pick I would definitely look to move. I'm not sure what the value of that pick is. Um does Do you it think you? it's more likely to um move it down like like what 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 are the types of things you look for in if you are trying to trade it out are you looking for a low like two move picks Randall. in this year or a pick okay that's what i was going to get to so like is it part of another deal related to the roster yeah. to me it would be like moving randall to upgrade at a position so that could be upgrade on the wing bring in like use it as part of a package to move Randall and bring in a starting point guard or something like that. Like, I don't know, but without roster baiting too hard, like, man, like to give up this pick to upgrade at a position and move Randall, like you, it had to be a pretty good player, right? Or am I, I mean, tripping? Like, we're not uh, talking Harrison Barnes out here. No, no, no. That, that okay, would be, okay. that just would make it sure. Well, probably it depends on the value perceived of Randall and, the 12th pick in this draft right yeah like it's something where it's like could i do randall the 12th pick in this draft and i don't know three future ones or something for donovan mitchell is that right, a deal right. like is that something that could happen i don't know if that is then yeah like happy to trade it out can i trade randall for 
the 12th pick and Phoenix is like, oh my God, we're going to have to pay DeAndre and we don't want to do that. So, so for like a home run swing. Yeah. Like, is there, is there, okay. or like, or even like a functional, you know, look, I don't like, I'm not saying this is not realistic. Right. But <laughs> let's just say that for some reason, Phoenix is like, we are definitely going to pay Aiden and we really, really, really want Julius Randall at the four, but we can't afford to pay all these guys. And they're like, you know what? We will do Randall and the 12th pick for McCall Bridges. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a trade the Knicks probably should do. If that they way, would I mean, do that 100 yeah, times out of it's not. It's not going to be on the table. It's not going to be on the table. But like, right. that's not like you're trading for an all-star, but it's an interesting trade, right? Or, hey, look, I'll, I'll throw this one out there. I would probably I would trade the twelfth pick in this draft for Keldon Johnson straight up. I would do that. Ooh, you did DM me that one, and I don't like Keldon Johnson that much, but that's uh, I mean he's definitely like an upsidey player or whatever. Who's you know he's gonna get paid soon, Kentucky, blah blah blah. But nah. he's a wing. I think he allows you to play different. Like he adds to your stable of like we're a young team that just runs people off the floor, and he's a wing, and he can play multiple positions. He played the three and the four a bunch the last couple of years. Like, yeah, I, I really like him. I, I know like the Spurs, the Spurs have like all these different little young guys running around doing shit. He's one of the ones that I actually believe is like doing shit for real and not just like out there getting numbers up. Um, yeah, I like Keldon. I would do that straight up. I don't know if they would. I would be interested, actually. I wonder if they would do it because they he's been... should if they know what the fuck they're doing. Because are they going to pay Kelvin? Well, I mean, they don't have any money, like really. It's like Dejounte, basically, right? And yeah, they've McDermott. They've got plenty of cap space yeah. to work with. They can pay him, but like, it's also like, do they want to pay him? And I mean, they've done interesting. They've actually, for once, like started to do this interesting thing called trades. Um, so they've acquired some first round picks. They've got three in this year's draft, I think, if I remember correctly. They do. Um, so it would be interesting. Like they have three first round picks. What are they doing with all those? If they keep them, then what the fuck is going on with your rotation? What's the plan? And are you okay with moving Keldon for another pick in this draft? Who the hell knows? I, I have no do. I, I don't think anybody actually has any idea what they're doing. Um, but that's one I would consider like, I'm not, yeah. Another trade down scenario would be like a Brock Aller special, right? If you feel like to you, all the guys you really love are gone by 11 and you can trade down to the 20s and get somebody who you like as much as someone at 13, which in this draft is really, really feasible, then just given the tendencies of this front office where they have guys, they scout, like Perrin scouts everyone. And Allard takes all calls. So, like, something like that, where it would just fucking, like, wreak havoc on, like, real-life Knicks fans for a couple of hours until they see, like, you know, what what exactly happened or whatever. Um, kind of like a bigger version of what we saw last year. Uh, I could totally see something like that happening. Well, the only thing about that... All right, so I guess the first thing is that in both drafts, the biggest smoke was that the Knicks were trying to trade up. Right, like first there was the Knicks are going to package eight and whatever those picks were to get Obi at five when the Cavs were going to pick there, and then it was moving up to. By the way, shout out, shout out Isaac Okoro for being worse than Obi Toppin. Yep, Cavs passed on Obi Toppin Um, and Tyrese Halliburton. That's right. That's right. Uh, So then the the Knicks moved up to try to get Tyrese Maxey. They fell short. Then they were able to move back two spots and get quickly. Then they last year tried to move up for Duarte. They could not trade it out, then trade it back, and then they got Grimes. So I think the natural instinct is that they do recognize that there's good talent in the top part of the draft, and that'll be their first instinct. But like going from 12 to the 20s, that's just like, to me, that's just kind of too much of a drop. And again, maybe they do it. It's just, I don't think that type of drop is something we've really seen before going from like 12 to like eight picks or more uh in the first round like in the second round for sure but i don't know there's just something about it that i don't know i i I just i like the idea of like using the pick to either trade for a young guy in another team or like kind of like what they did with the register deal right like 
Because to me, the 12th pick in this draft is, again, this is, for the record, I know absolutely nothing about this draft um, of worth. So take this for what it is. But my sense is that this is not regarded as some, like, awesome stacked draft. I know that in the past, like, the 2020 draft was regarded similarly as not stacked and awesome and ended up being a very, very awesome draft, uh, which the Knicks have benefited from. Um, Not as much as they should have because Tom Thibodeau is an asshole. Uh, But not to derail the the conversation, um, the 2021 draft was loaded, which everybody said at the time that it was a loaded draft also. Um, This one, I think, and Prez, correct me if I'm wrong, people feel very comfortable saying it's not a particularly loaded draft. Not a bad draft, but it's not one that you're going to look at and be like, wow, there's so much star talent that came out of this one. Um, So, to me, like, if you can use the value of, hey, we've got this four-year guaranteed contract, essentially, for Somebody who has a young player who maybe they're not sure of, who has one year on his deal or two years or something like that, I would do that. Like that's why Keldon is interesting to me because they do have to make a decision on him in a year, or maybe they pay him the summer. Who the fuck knows? Um, but like they, the contract is, you know, it's it's winding down here, right? And I would be interested to see if four years of team control is attractive to them over just the one. And that's just one example off the top of my head, right? Like, you know, I don't know what the Hawks are doing. And I have no thoughts on Jalen Johnson, but like, would they do 12 for Jalen Johnson? Cause I know people loved him. Um, is that, you know, is that something that's available? Like these are things I would consider. Like I doubt I'm almost positive Denver wouldn't do this. Right. And, and they wouldn't do this because he's had a great second half of the year, but it's like if bones hadn't played at all, but your pre-draft eval was so strong in him, would you do 12 for bones? Right? Like those are the kind of things I'd be interested in in thinking about like, are there dudes from past drafts that you were really high on who maybe haven't gotten a lot of burn that, that you're comfortable trading this pick for? I mean, book yeah, night, like a perfect example would- of that would be like, we know the Knicks really liked Trey man and, and we know the Thunder- OKC is the- horny for picks, right? The Thunder had <laughs> the Thunder like Trey man, but they also have SGA and Giddy and Dort who are, better prospects or players than him. And, yes, exactly. Presti is trying to collect all the 23 picks like Infinity Stones. So maybe that's something they look at. And then the Knicks get uh, another dynamic guard that they were really high on but couldn't trade up for or something that, like that. That Prez so. needs in his life. Oh, my God. Don't even, don't even fucking talk to me if we get Trey, man, bro. We get Trey and Deuce? I don't know what I'm going to do with myself while both of them are sitting on the bench. So that's the thing. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out with this pick, where if you trade the pick for a younger player who's got, you know, like Jalen Johnson, Keldon Johnson, whatever it is, like players who have more or have less than four years of time left on their contract. I get it, but you also have a logjam in itself, right? Like yeah. we're trying to find minutes for quickly as is there's still going to be all these veterans that are going to be here. It would have to be part of like a larger plan. Right. Yes. Yes. Like if you can move, I mean, let's see the Knicks have one, two, three, four, five, six, six players on um, six vets on larger deals. That will still be right. Let's do this. Let's say, let's say the plan is this. We trade 12 for Keldon Johnson. And then we're like, we're going to move all of our vets or the, whatever, three or four of these vets for Russ's expiring contract and wave him. Like, I know that I'm, I'm not going to get into why this is bad, Jeremy, and what, I don't care about that. I'm just saying if that was the plan, like, that would be a functional way to use it without creating a logjam. That's my only point. Like, yeah. there's ways to do it is, is, you know, and we've talked about this, like, can you hook Charlotte in, right? Like, can you get, like, the Knicks, Charlotte, and the Lakers? I do think there's a deal there to be made. Um, where like we take on Hayward and his breaking down body and his MAGA uh, personality. Um, and, you know, can we, and then we unload some of like two or three, probably three of our guys we could probably unload to, to give the them Lakers. some depth. Yes. Yeah. To give them some depth. And they, and Charlotte gets a $47 million expiring, which they need because they need to clear some cap space because. They're going to pay Miles this summer. P.J. Washington has an extension coming up next year, probably. LaMelo Ball will be extension eligible for next year. Like, they have all these things that they have going on, right? So that's one where it's like, okay, if I can do that, and then I can be like, okay, Spurs, we'll give you 12 for Keldon. And this could be any young player, right? If you guys want to throw out, like, would the Pacers do 12 for Duarte? Who the hell knows? I am not, probably not. But, like, these are the things I would think about if I'm the Knicks. Like, are there players around the league 
that you like, that you liked pre-draft, that you had good uh, pre-draft eval on, that you're comfortable trading this pick for? Because I think they should be... I, I think that's, like, in general, I think that's something that's really undervalued. Like, I don't think enough teams consider shit like that. Like, hey, we really like this guy, and we have this somewhat okay first-round pick. What if we trade it for that guy? Like, that's why I kind of... I liked the Reddish deal, even though, you know, me and Prez have talked about this a shit ton. Like, I wasn't the biggest Reddish guy, but it was a good deal in, in the sense of, like, you didn't punt on getting young or anything like that, right? You just punted on an unknown, like, whatever that pick was going to be for a pick or for a player that you probably have a lot of intel on from a variety of sources. Um, so that's just kind of like what I think they should do with this. With this Fun pick. fact, you just answered yeah. the next question <laughs> from Stingy. Would you rather have Reddish or the oh, Hornets yeah. pick? Reddish, Reddish, 100%, no doubt. And I like that's I I think I even said that at the time. It's not like even you know I'm just saying it because he's a Nick now. I that was you know it made sense. Like we needed yeah, a, a and player. And you didn't even like Reddish like that. <laughs> yeah, I know I didn't like it's just I like we need. I understood it. I'm like okay, six eight wing who like moves great and is agile and is athletic and all these things. Like these are the like I I I messaged us in our Discord yesterday, but like. Watching the Clippers yesterday and watching the Wolves yesterday, like you just just get wings, just get fucking wings where you can get wings. Take bets on them, guys like that size with that athleticism. Th- those are the dudes that you need. You just need you need plenty of them at all times. Uh, I'm gonna interject a related converse question for the two of you, and if you feel like you're not, you don't know enough about the prospects, cool. But I think you do. So. Would you trade 12 and what's the lowest pick you would trade up to if you had to give up 12 and reddish? Or would you just not do that? Probably like seven or eight or six. Oh, wow. Something, something in that range where I'm getting the wing that I want, because that's where those wings are going to be, right? Like Matherin, sharp, uh, Griffin, Griffin Davis. If you're a Davis guy, um, like those guys will all be in that range. So if you can secure the one that you like the most, I think that's fine. So I feel like the closest comp to that is when the Wolves and the Suns traded eleven and six and included Sarge. You're so obsessed with this trade. I'm obsessed. Well, <laughs> hey, listen, we can't all steal <laughs> Wait, what I just what? fucking told you for the last two months about Hayward and Wolves pass off as your own. But whatever, that's fine, Schwinn. That's your IP. Yeah, take it. Don't even mention the person I've who's been on saying this. the Hayward thing forever too. Yeah, you said Hayward. You didn't mention the other part that i mentioned whatever um no the reason i bring up that is because it's just a comp of what's actually happened like what was the trade again it was uh the, it was cam johnson and well, was i mean it was the pick that became cam pick. johnson yeah. 11, 11 and then and... charge went to phoenix and six went to minnesota and that was Jarrett culver great player wow. Jared culver my son right. fantastic R-I-P. R-I-P. <laughs> in terms of like what he was able to like that that deal going on Mm-hmm. I'd say Sharich was a better player based at, on what we know because he was entering his fourth year. Cam's entering his fourth year. We knew what Sharich was. He was a better player with less perceived upside. Correct. But definitely a better player, yeah. Right. So if he's a better player, to me, that's still a better asset in this sense because yep, yep. even though ceiling and floor. And so it was like you're going 11 to 6 with a better asset. So in this case, I feel like you get closer to maybe 7, maybe probably closer to 8. Which draft year was that? Uh, that was the twenty eighteen. The, 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 yeah. the Zion, right? No, it was yeah. twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Just what I said. Yes. Let me see here. Like that's the type of move where it's it's the furthest I'd go. Now, if you're throwing in the Mavs pick, wait. So time out. I think you out. can get to five. So they moved up to to six. They moved from eleven to six. Okay, that was definitely right after. Like there was a perceived cutoff between five and six so that's relevant um because it was rj deandre garland and then culver white hayes Rui, cam well so, there's all and that makes sense because there's a perceived drop off in this draft after four right there's a perceived drop off after four there's this like nebulous area right after that and then where does the like nebulous a, area end it, so i think the nebulous area ends like seven eight ish so that's in line with the idea of going with cam pick 12 and going up there 
I think that's fair. Would I do that? I would have to re like if the front office is like we really fucking love Matherin or sharp drops to seven or whatever. Like I I would I could get behind that because I like Cam, but I'm also kind of just like eh. Well, you, you know, know what I mean. <laughs> the thing the thing is, you're not alone in that because we know that the Knicks almost traded Cam yeah. at the deadline. Like they they acquired him two three weeks earlier, and then they were close to shipping him out to L.A. along with Alec Burks. And so, like the way it works with this roster is, you have to move pretty much one of Fournier Burks if you want to give Reddish time. Like Reddish should have time on his own, but the reality is that one like they have to go. And if you're not going to move one of them, then what kind of ripple effect does that have on the other? So if you're not going to see Cam having time and you view him as an asset and you want to turn around and be like, well, look, we gave up a first round pick for him. I know that we lost half a season, but we want to recoup on that. That's It might actually be why I see them keeping him because they probably see his value increasing over time versus right now. But like, you know what happened? Cam Cam gave them a little, gave them a little sneak peek and they're going to be like, can't trade him. Look at what he did against the Clippers in the second half. <laughs> exactly. Cam immediately showed that he could listen to directions and not shoot <laughs> mid-range jumpers and become efficient. And they were like, shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like he's that that's what he is though, because he's got the size, he's got all the tools, and you're just like if you see it, you're like, well, can't keep can't trade him. Gotta keep him forever now. Like, you know, that's that's why so many people when Atlanta traded him, they were like, I mean, there was I think Dave Dufour tweeted this like a month before they even got traded. He was just like, I would hate to be the GM that trades Cam, Cam that has to trade Cam Reddish. Because like you can see it, right? Like the size and all that shit. And I mean, especially with the Knicks too, I think the thing that was intriguing was like when you see him and RJ on the wing, that's like it's so much more imposing than anything else you that we can throw out there. And that's like you know, obviously Grimes has been a really good defender for us, but it's not the same level. Like, there's just no, it, it's not the same, right? It's just like totally different when you see RJ being this big, bruising, like, fucking dude, and then Cam with all his length and size and shit. It's just very imposing, I think. And that, that obviously offers a different dynamic than anything else the Knicks have to throw out there on the wing right now. I'm definitely. And even these guys, yeah. like, are the are any of those wings that we talked about like big wings? I don't think so, right? Like Matherin is big, but he's jacked. It's not no like Matherin's he's... Matherin's six five. Johnny Davis six five, and uh, AJ six six. And they all have long arms, but like they're they're not like over seven foot wingspans or anything. Which, what's sharp? Sharp is six six. Okay, so like that. See, like this is and this they're is shooting so this guards. Is like, so this is like a very interesting question for th- this would say a lot. It, it would be very telling to like know what the front office thinks about it because you know, wings are wings, but like there's a difference between a big wing and then an RJ wing. RJ is like very weird. Cause he's kind of in that in between ground. Cause he's so jacked, but like, he's not really a big wing in my opinion. No, right? he's, like, not. he's yeah. not. I've been banging that drum for a while. <laughs> yeah. Like cam <laughs> is a legit big wing where you're like, okay, like, when he stands next to DeAndre Hunter... His standing reach is half yeah. an inch shorter than Jericho Sims. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like... I don't know. It's It would be an interesting one for me. I don't know if I would love that now thinking about it just because those guys' size is not the same. So I feel like we're actually adding to an existing logjam at the 2-3 if we do that. Whereas if you keep Cam, it's like a 3-4 guy. And that's kind of why I like Keldon too. Because if we do this thing where if we, if we trade Randall... And we can consolidate some of these vets. I just think Keldon's really interesting because he is a 3-4. He's not a 2-3, right? Like, he's a 3-4. And having a couple of those guys now with him and Reddish, um, and then you have Obi, who's a 4, and maybe can play the 5 in time or whatever. Like, I, I just think that's a very interesting dynamic and, like, gives you a variety of looks that you can throw out there. So that's why I just picked Keldon. But if there's another guy of that ilk, like, that kind of, size and all that shit like i would i would say the same thing about them too like I, i'm willing to trade that pick for that type of player because i think that is basically the type of player we're missing you know like i think the bulls wouldn't do this right but like would they trade it for pat williams that kind of that three four type of dude is is definitely the type of Calvin, looking for. not that tall but he just plays but he's like six six but he plays he feels bigger than six six he's just jacked he for no reason yeah. <laughs> 
the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details, which I'm going to read to you now, and I probably shouldn't have read that part. All right. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire, 888-789-7777, or visit http ccpg.org slash chat. Uh, that's in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, uh, and that, or text 7867 for LA, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Visit opgr.org, that's in Oregon. Call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, or one 800 532-3500 for Virginia. Must be 21 plus or 18 and over in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. C http draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details two things to consider as well the first being that chances are this pick isn't really going to see any rotation minutes anyway uh it's going to take injury or complete garbage time for them to get in the game but secondly as the knicks are essentially biding their time assuming it doesn't happen this summer waiting for a big trade having a log jam of young guys the two three especially if you're looking at someone like Donovan Mitchell makes a lot of sense just in terms of kind of filling in the hole that would be a Donovan Mitchell size for Utah and trying to kind of like just give up guys who have a lot of time left on their rookie deals or the most possible um, and just can, can shoot and play well, like, you know, just high floor at the worst. So just something to consider as they are going about this. Cause like I know, uh, Prez, you obviously love Tari, and I think that it makes a lot of sense to get someone like him, and I think he actually fits a lot of what the Knicks look for in prospects. But even if they trade Randall and start Obi, I, I would be surprised if they didn't go after some sort of you know, veteran to take up minutes there at the backup four. And then if that's the case, then Tari's on the outside looking in. So it just kind of like, there will be logjam problems no matter what, it's just a question of how much of an impact it has considering the trade that will be coming eventually. Yeah, it's definitely something they got to consider. All right, uh, Jax365. So Alex refused to answer this a couple weeks ago. What has Tibbs been doing to avoid COVID two seasons in a row? Everybody on the Knicks has had it, but not Tibbs. And also, uh, Prez, gun to your head, gun to your dick. Which one of your son's draft or in, in the NBA is the worst? I'll answer the second part first because that's really easy. Uh, several of my sons are out of the league. <laughs> I don't know where Grant Riller's playing these days. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's for the Greensboro Swarm. So uh, he's probably the leading candidate right now. DSJ is technically one of my sons, and he's probably it's probably a wrap for his career. Uh, he wasn't rostered on the tanking Blazers, so uh, not a great sign. So probably those two guys. We got hurt. He was on he was on the roster, but then they cut him because he got hurt. So oh, I thought they cut him because he was buns. Yeah, he might have a chance. Yeah. Uh, well, sh- guess it's Grant Riller. 
<laughs> Schwinn, what do you think about Tibbs and his inability to get COVID, or at least to our knowledge? Um, dude, Tibbs is like the ultimate Grinch. He, he, uh, he didn't get go. He didn't get COVID, so we never got to see John. Like, every, it's it's crazy. I feel like every other team, their head coach missed time, and even on our staff, Johnny Bryant missed time. I think Kenny Payne missed time. I think Darren Ehrman. I think all these guys missed time. Yeah, like all these guys missed time, but somehow Tibbs is like fucking. He wrapped himself in God knows what to avoid getting COVID from anybody. All like half the entire team basically had COVID at one point too, right? So it just it's crazy. Um, and the other thing I noticed too, he hasn't been ejected once in two years here. Like Kate literally has been on the sideline the in, for every single game for every single second. That's why motherfuckers don't know who our associate head coach is because he's literally coached the one hundred percent of the minutes he could coach. <laughs> like sometimes I'm just like, dude, can you just get ejected, please? Holy shit, I want to fucking see what what this motherfucker might do in your absence. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I what has Tibbs been doing to avoid COVID? Um, making a deal with the devil. Uh, maybe just like wrapping himself in fifteen layers of Nick's fleeces that he like the the this you know he has that one Nick's fleece he wears, just maybe just like wraps himself in that, but like with fifteen versions of it. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm very I'm amazed by it. I think it's like genuinely someone. I'm surprised nobody on the beats like because you know like sometimes the athletic guys like like cats or whatever they write one of these like jokey kind of columns. I would like to see. I would think he should. He should do that. He, that would be a fun one. I would love to know what Tibbs' secret is. Maybe like there's no COVID allowed in the Terrytown practice facility, and that's why the fuck he doesn't get it because he only shuttles between there and MSG. Maybe you have to be miserable to get COVID. Like or like, sorry. You're, if you're miserable, you can somehow become proof from or like immune from getting it. Do you know what I mean? Like the COVID whole, is over. To be fair, that's that's good. Very good. Point. COVID is a, <laughs> COVID is a hoax. obviously i think it's this is the thought process that just went on in my head like he probably just goes home crunches his film goes to the hotel crunches his film whatever and then that got me thinking like okay so he goes to his like hoops dungeon in his house or whatever but then i'm like what what does tibbs what does a tibbs house even look like i'm so interested i need have you ever watched true detective no have you watched true detective jeremy i have not Oh, because like Matthew McConaughey is this raging alcoholic in the first season and his apartment is literally just like a bottle of whatever the hell he's drinking at the time. And he has his papers all over the floor arranged on whatever he's studying. And there's just like no furniture anywhere. That's Tibbs' house, except he has a like a fucking, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a chalkboard or one of those whiteboards for him to draw plays and shit on on the wall. Um, and he's got a laptop where he pretends to study the data that the, all the nerds send him um, and a bottle of Jack. Uh, that's, that's what Tibbs' house looks like. I bet Maybe. it's more boring than that. I bet you his house, you know how like when you're supposed to sell a house, you're supposed to just make it very generic. Yes. That's what I bet what his house looks like. Just fucking like unlived. I, I bet. Maybe, maybe you get immune from COVID. Um, if you watch game film, three times every game maybe that's what it is yeah we only watch it twice that's why we don't get it yeah i know it's crazy lame uh this is from editor and chief and geez it's got like 15 questions christ Jesus alex. Christ. alex you Dang. have your own pod why <laughs> and your own mailbag right <laughs> <laughs> all right let's start with the first one <laughs> yeah <laughs> alex dot bag over here <laughs> first one Who's the guy most likely to get drafted way higher than he's been being mocked? That's a good one. As much as I am loath to admit that our emperor in chief has a good question here. Um, I think Mark uh, Williams. Oh, you're a fucking guy. He's not going to. I mean. You say that. He had a good tournament. He's a seven footer. He has production and a size. Yeah, but it's like he's mocked. I'm just looking at Tankathon. He's mocked in like what? Late lottery, that kind of area, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I could see a team, because GMs, lo- they fall in love with size all the time. This happens all the time. It is They true. fall in love with There's size. There's so and many fall- random centers in the lottery, like Goga and, and Hayes and, what, and, and shit like that. And what else do they fall in love with? They fall in love with guys that have a good tournament run. 
Like, he is... And, he, and he's from fucking Duke. Like, this is the guy, I promise you, we're going to sit there draft night, and, like, the fucking Spurs are going to be up at nine. Or the Hornets and, at 14 yeah, or something. Yeah, so, like, I'm telling you, somebody is going to read... Like, he's the... the like, he, he hits so many of the classic things that teams love and reach for all the time. Like, and, and like, he's not like a, he's not a stiff either, right? So, which me, which makes it even more kind of likely. And then you, and not, not only that, but you see like, what, like a guy like Isaiah Jackson, right? Like, he looked really good when he started getting minutes this year. And I think when teams see like, okay, this guy was a center, like, Maybe maybe he's one of those centers that can just come in and be a guy. Like, I I think he's fits a lot of the classic uh, hits a lot of the classic notes of somebody who to get reached for. Another one I would throw out there, um, without much knowledge at all, would be like EJ is, is EJ Little. I think he could climb. Um, I think he's somebody that teams would reach for just given kind of his scoring production and all of his ancillary stuff. He's definitely a guy who could rise up because. Uh, his stats are fucking crazy, and uh, he's ready to contribute now, and he's the kind of guy... One thing I always look for for this kind of question is, like, who can go into empty gyms and just fucking light it up, but they maybe aren't bought of, bought as a really good shooter right now for whatever reason, and Liddell's shooting stats are completely crazy, but... Because of how he looks and how his shot looks, it's like, eh, like, is he really a sniper, though? But, like, if he goes into gyms and proves that shit, you know, he's a big wing slash small ball five who could shoot and defend. Like, you know, that's that's a that's a guy who could rise. Another guy I was going to um say for the same reasons you did is uh, Ochai Agbaji from Kansas. You know, tournament run, tournament champ. We've seen Duarte rise, right, right before the draft boards. Every year there's, like, one reliable older guy who starts getting a lot of buzz and this guy is a phenomenal fucking athlete a ridiculous shooter and even though he's a senior he's air quotes only gonna be a hair under 22 uh to 21 and change on jack night so i I could see i could see him making his way up especially after like seeing what grimes did other teams probably see that shit too like that legit has an impact You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.